This is Living Hope with Pastor Claude Stoffer of Calvary Chapel Hope. I want to be objective. I don't want to be swayed one way or another or be tempted to look at you in a different way. Either look at you in a favorable way. Yeah, I love him. That guy, he gives that much. Ooh, yeah, better be friends with him. Better do everything, you know, try to really kind of be on his good side. Or someone that doesn't get that, look at that, that bum, don't give nothing, you know. See, you can be in two extremes. I don't want to be tempted. I want to, I want to love you and cherish all of you the same. And that there's a purpose behind that. There's a purpose behind it because that can really stumble a person. Preferential treatment doesn't belong in the kingdom of God. There certainly will be people you connect with better than others, but as Pastor Claude will explain in today's message, especially if you're a leader in the church, you should do your best to practice fairness and justice with your fellow believers. Now here's Pastor Claude in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 as he continues his message, Faithfully Living for Jesus. We also see experience. Experience is important, isn't it? Paul didn't merely talk. He wasn't just, he was book learned, but that wasn't it. He had applied what he learned. Now let's, let's just illustrate this. Let's say, heaven forbid, you go to the doctor this week, and the doctor says, wow, man, we got to do something here. You have a tumor in your, head, in your brain. It needs to be surgically removed immediately, immediately. So you go to the, the surgeon, and you see on his wall, he's got uh, Harvard University Medical School. You know, he's got the, all, of the, all of the diplomas and all this stuff. And, but in your course of discussion with him about, about surgery, and I hope you would ask this kind of question. I know what I ask him. He says, well, how many of these kinds of surgeries have you done? What if that surgeon said, well, you know, you're the first one. And then there was another option of a surgeon, maybe he went to a different medical school, but he had performed those kinds of operations over and over and over again. Who would you go to over and over again successfully? You know, not just, you know, because maybe he was hitting and missing, you know. Right? Experience is important in ministry. It's very important in ministry. It's important, too, that your life experience enables you, equips you, it, it gives you a substance, it gives you a resource to call upon. Dee and I, we've been married, what's it going to be, honey? 33 years. Praise the Lord for that. We have three kids, and that's a tremendous experience that we've been high, had highs and lows. We've gone through some difficulties, too, in terms of having my, my youngest son, Stephen, born with a congenital heart defect, how the Lord brought us through that. And we have different things. I, I've worked in foster care for a number of years. I know how broken families are. And so there's an experience that comes with that. It's not just book learning, but there's an experience. Experience is important. All your life experiences are part of God's preparation for how he might want to use you. You see, it's not all just a waste. It's not all just water under the bridge. What you go through and you come through on the other side victoriously, then you have ammunition. You have a resource to help someone else who will be brought your way that's going through a similar kind of circumstance. You see, experience in ministering for the Lord is vitally important. Vitally important. But we need to be willing to sacrifice certain things. So, secondly, Paul goes on here in verse 2. 
He says, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. So the second characteristic of this faithful minister is a faithful minister is not prevented from preaching the gospel by way of persecution or difficulty. Paul was not deterred. Now look, in ministry, when you look at the book of Acts, we see, we see some conflict, some obstacles come from within the church, such as I mentioned in Acts chapter 5 and Acts chapter 6, you have the, the complaints that were raised by the Gentile believers, that they didn't feel their widows were being treated as fairly as those who were Hebrew believers in Jesus. And so they had to choose people to minister there. That was an obstacle that threatened to distract, all right, the apostles from the ministry of the word and prayer. So they dealt with that. But there are, there are conflicts, there are difficulties, there are obstacles, there are problems and issues that come that deal from within the church. But then there is also many that come from without the church. I mean, look at the book of Acts. We see that over and over again that the apostles opposed. And a lot of times it's the religious people that are opposing them. So there's, there's opposition. If you want to be used by the Lord, if you want to be a servant of the Lord, if you want to go into ministry... Let me tell you, you're going to encounter difficulties. It's not for the faint of heart. I've been a pastor now for quite a number of years. I started my first church in 1986, and I've seen a lot of people come through the doors of the churches where I ministered to. I've seen quite a few people crash and burn. They've come with wrong motives, and they've crashed and burned. And it's sad. It's sad they were unwilling to count the cost or their motives were wrong or they just, you know, had delusions of grandeur. And I don't want to discourage. If you're here and the Lord's putting on your heart to minister, I want to just, all I want to do is make sure that you are sure that the call is from the Lord and not from you or someone else. That's so important. So that you have staying power. The third characteristic we see of this faithful minister is a faithful minister exhorts honestly with pure motives, with pure motives. Paul says in verse 3, for our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. And let's just backtrack to that one verse where Paul talks about bold in our God, because that kind of flows into this, this point as well. The word bold there means to speak frankly. It means to speak straightforward. Paul was bold in the sense that, you know, he didn't, he wasn't Millard Milktoast, and he didn't kind of dance around an issue. You know, he was not a politician, all right, who you can never get a straight answer from. But he spoke, he was bold, and then he says, in our God. He spoke straightforward. He wasn't brash, or he wasn't belligerent in speaking forth truth, but he was straightforward. He spoke God's truth in love, and he spoke it in our God, he mentions to the Thessalonians. It's not just in God, but in our God. I think he, he wanted to unite them and as much as to say, you know, the same boldness with which you saw me use, you can speak with the same boldness, the same straightforward, empower the same straightforward characteristic in ministry and, and your use of the Lord because it's our God. Our God will enable you, right? In verse 5 of chapter 1, what did Paul say? For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among, among you for your sake. 
See, in the power of the Holy Spirit, he was bold. He was a faithful minister, exhorts honestly with pure motives. You see, why were his motives pure? Because he was relying on being straightforward or bold in the Lord and not in his own strength. You know, he he wasn't trying to manipulate people. He wasn't, look, I'll be honest with you folks, okay? When I prepare my messages, I don't look for cute little ditties to share with you to kind of keep your attention. I don't do that at all. I trust the Lord to keep your attention. You know, and I'm thankful that the Lord does that because if it's apart from the Lord, you'd all be nodding off, let me tell you. It would be messy in here. Everybody's slobbering on each other because they're sleeping, you know. But it's in the power of the Lord. For our exhortation did not come from error. The word error there means to, to wander from the path of truth. His exhortation, his encouragement of them, you know, rallying them to follow the Lord wasn't from error. He didn't wander from the truth. The word uncleanness there means ritual or moral impurity. He was pure, pure in heart. And then the word deceit, nor was it in deceit. The word deceit there means craftiness. Did you ever talk with someone and you know, you just kind of, there's something in you that says, you know what, there's something about what this guy is saying to me. I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. Like some, some ministers or some people that share the gospel, they're more like a car salesman that's selling lemons, that's selling stuff, you know, oh, no, no, you don't have to look under the hood. Trust me, the car is a great deal. There's all kinds of promises that the Bible doesn't make. People will say, come to Jesus. He'll heal your marriage. He'll fill your bank account. He'll get you the car you want. He'll get that house. He'll, you'll get profit from your job. You'll have all this stuff. The Bible doesn't guarantee that. You know what the Bible guarantees? Salvation from your sin. All of those things might come, and the Lord will definitely impact those areas, but there are a lot of people that accept Jesus, and life doesn't get better. It gets harder because your family is opposed. It's hard. So it's best not to be crafty and not to be deceitful, but to be truthful. A faithful minister exhorts honestly, with pure motives. If you're serving the Lord or seeking to serve the Lord, what are your motives? Do you have pure motives? Are you looking to draw attention to yourself? Are you looking to profit? You think that ministry is an easy way to to get some money to profit? Man, if that's what you're thinking, you are really going down the wrong path because it is not. It is definitely not. Fourthly, in verses 4 through 6, we see a, a faithful minister speaks and ministers to please God, not people. Paul was by no stretch of the imagination a people pleaser. He didn't go out of his way to belligerently attack or be harsh with people, but he spoke God's truth because he knew he did what he did in the sight of the Lord and not merely to impress his peers. Verses 4 through 6, he says, But as we have been approved by God, and that's the thing, he, he was approved by God. That's where he got his approval. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. I uh, read a prayer request or a testimony from a, a pastor friend of mine. And he had to leave the ministry because of family reasons. And he was just sharing how his family was totally, 
There were a lot of issues in his family, but over time, the Lord has now brought his family back together, and he was just bearing witness to that, and he was actually thanking the Lord for the difficulties that he went through. Do you know why? He said, a faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. If your faith is just theory and it's never been tested, the time will come when it's not just faith, if it's real, it jumps off the paper into real life. And all of those tests and difficulties we have, it's to test and prove our faith, not to the Lord, but to us, so we can be sturdy and steadfast in our faith to the Lord. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words. As you know, there's that as you know again, nor a cloak for covetousness, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as as apostles of Christ. The word approved of God there means that he's been examined by the Lord. He's been tested by the Lord. In verse 4, the second portion there, he says, God tests our hearts. He wasn't a people pleaser, but he pleased the Lord, and he was, he was proven true. His faith was proven true in that. What might a person be tempted to do in order to please people and avoid persecution? He mentions a few things here. He talked about using flattering words. That word flattering means insincere or excessive praise. Oh, you look so beautiful today. Ooh, I love your hat. It's a beautiful hat. You know, it's out here, it's up there, it doesn't match anything, it just kind of wrecked, you know. You know, you, you're wonderful, you sing beautifully, oh, geez, you know, don't offend anybody. But flattering words, flattering, why? A cloak of covetousness, you flatter people to get something out of people. You see, I want you to all realize something. I, as the pastor, I do not know what you give or even if you give. And there's a purpose behind that. I don't want to know what you give to the church because I don't want to be influenced in any way. I'm a human being. I don't want to know. I know what I give, but I don't want to know what you give. That's so important because I want to be objective. I don't want to be swayed one way or another or be tempted to look at you in a different way, either look at you in a favorable way. Yeah, I love him, that guy. He gives that much. Ooh, yeah, better be friends with him. Better do everything, you know, trying to really kind of be on his good side. Or someone that doesn't give, yeah, look at that bum, don't give nothing, you know. See, you can be in two extremes. I don't want to be tempted. I want to I love you and cherish all of you the same. And that there's a purpose behind that. There's a purpose behind it because that can really stumble a person. So the Lord tests our hearts Um, flattering words, a cloak of covetousness. In verse 5, Paul says that God's his witness, and he mentions, like in verse 3 of chapter 1, that he lived in the sight of the Lord. If Christians are to live in the sight of God, how much more should ministers live in the sight of the Lord? And then Paul says, says something that's interesting. He says, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Paul had authority, and he, had, he acknowledged that, but he didn't throw his weight around. Jesus said, who is the leader amongst you? We're not like the Gentiles who lord it over. 
I'm so glad we're in a non-denominational church, you know, where we don't have to worry about that hierarchy. You know, I, I've served in a denomination, and you have all the politics that that breeds, and it just, ah, oh, it's, it's no good. And I'm not going to wear a funny hat or medallions or stuff. Or keep it simple. Keep it simple. But Paul says, when we might have made demands as apostles. One commentator gives us some insight. They write, traveling philosophers and orators were common in the Roman Empire. They itinerated from place to place, entertaining and seeking a personal following for fame and fortune. Paul and his companions had nothing in common with such men. Rather than seeking something for themselves, they delighted in giving to others freely. Freely. Paul knew that he was who he was by God's grace. And he didn't see his position as an apostle as God thinking that he was better than others. He looked at himself as what? The chief of sinners. You know, God sent Jesus into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm the, I'm the worst sinner. So he always had that humility. And when you serve the Lord, you need, you need that humility. Now, it does say in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 18, Paul's letter to Timothy, who was his fellow pastor, a, a young pastor, he said, you know, you shouldn't muzzle the ox. There is a time to give compensation to those who are in ministry. Okay? There's a time when ministers shouldn't receive compensation. All right, we'll look at that when we get further on down. But let me just say, if you look at the Apostle Paul, if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, I have every right to be compensated by you, but in order that you might know the purity of my motives, I am not going to take advantage of that privilege. When a person plants a church, they shouldn't be a burden to the church by demanding that the church support them right from the start, but they should let that church get started and financially grounded. It's so very important. Later on, as the church grows and is able, that's when compensation. Then a church is responsible to compensate. But there's a time the pastor, you know, again, you're not there to fleece a flock. You're there to feed the flock of God. One of the reasons why we don't take an offering here at Calvary Chapel of Hope is from the very start is that our area of Long Island has had many incidents where there has been fleecing of the flock of God. And so right from the start, one of the characteristics, one of the attributes of our church is that we're going to live by where God guides, God provides. We're never going to twist your arm to support something or give something. We'll make a need known. What you give is up to the Lord and you. Tithing is scriptural, definitely, and an offering. It's definitely scriptural. If you ask me, when we come to the scriptures, I'm going to teach what's in there. It's up to you to obey or not obey. And I'm not saying this to put a guilt on you. I'm just giving you the balance. But I don't know what's given, and we're not in this to fleece you to fleece you. So Paul Paul said here, even though I could have, I didn't. If you look in 1 Corinthians 9, he talks about how he didn't take advantage of that privilege that he had. Then in, in verses 7 and 8, we see a faithful minister cherishes those they minister to. You know, I just want to say something right here, right now. I love you guys. I love you guys. I really love you guys. I don't know all of you. I don't know all of you the same. Some I know better than others, but I want to say right now, I love you guys. I'm not in this, you know, I'm just, I love you guys. And you see, that kind of love, that's, that's the spirit. 
When you begin to tell people and show your love, that's the Holy Spirit. We want to be a loving church. There's no love in a church, man. Leave it. Leave it, man. We need the love of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Hope does not disappoint because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. That's what it's all about. Are we as loving as we could be? I'm sure that there are people who could say, yeah, that's not a loving church. Well, maybe, maybe you caught us on a bad day or something. We might not be as, as loving as we ought to be, but certainly we are much more loving than we would be without the Lord, right? So let's commit that. Let's make that our prayer. We want to be a loving church. There's people in this church that you don't know. Love them. Love on them. Give them a hug, a holy hug, a holy hug, and even a holy kiss. You know, it says greet one another with a holy kiss. You know, I just want to encourage you to be an agent, an ambassador of God's love in the purest, most holy of ways. That's really what we're, we're all about. But Paul says here in verses 7 and 8, but we were gentle among you. Look at these words that he uses. We were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. The word gentle there means to be mild, means to be tender. Hey, my daughter just, just had a, a, a baby, and I, son and my daughter-in-law, they just had a baby. But, you know, you, when you see them with that little baby, that little newborn baby, you know, they're not holding them by the leg and whipping them around and, and going, no, they're just, oh, little baby, little Neve, oh, look at you. And the baby's going, you know, making all kinds of things. Little Jamesy, you know, I mean, a mother, like a mother cherishes. That baby is so precious and delicate. It's breakable. That's what Paul said. He cherished the people that he ministered to. They're breakable. They're precious. They're to be cuddled. They're to be loved. You see? And you know, this is not just for a pastor and a sheep. As parents, do you cherish your children? Do you cherish? Husbands, do you cherish your wives? Wives, do you cherish your husbands? Do we cherish our friends? You know, I mean, this is what... Paul is talking about here. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes. Right? The word cherishes, it means to brood over. To brood over. It means kind of like a, a chicken that kind of takes her wing and gets all little chicks underneath her and then sits on them to keep them safe. Or a, or a little mommy dog, right? Has her little, all the little puppies. Or a little cat, a mommy cat, right? Has all the little kittens right there, just, you know, making sure. You, you put them in a box and you have them all in there. Man, you, you mess with that dog or that cat's kittens or puppies, you are in some, you're taking your life in your hand. They don't care how big you are or whatever. You don't mess with my kids, you know. And this is the kind of, this is the kind of attitude, feeling we should be having towards one another. You know, that phrase there, under the shadow of your wings. Listen to some of these verses because this is the same way that the Bible talks about in the book of Psalms, God's relationship with us. Everyone spent time wondering about the future, whether it's short-term, lifelong, or even into eternity. You've at some point likely let your mind wander into the unknown. While you can't ever know the future for certain, there are certain truths about Jesus' return and your place with him for the rest of time 
that are made apparent in Scripture. As Pastor Claude continues to teach through the book of 1 Thessalonians, we pray you find comfort in these words regarding what's to come. We're so glad you spent time with us today on Living Hope. We encourage you to continue digging deeper into the Word, discovering all you can about the Savior of the world and the relationship He desires to have with you. Do you have any prayer requests we could be lifting up to the Lord? If so, please give us a call at 631-789-4837. That's 631-789-4837. You can hear more messages from this series by visiting our website, calvarychapelofhope.org. There, you can also learn more about the ministry of Living Hope and be able to connect with us. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Living Hope, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Hope. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead.